Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page. There's too much pressure on this side of the church. <laughs> well, it's good to see each one of you out today. It really is. And uh, uh, we only have two elders here this morning, so uh, we're, we're uh, short on elders. We're going to have to get, change that, and that'll be happening soon, I, I tell you, because um, we need a few more elders in this church. The others, we got lots in the other two churches, but here, uh, not so much. I'm going to ask Tom to come. Uh, John, Tom's running a one-man show here today. He's going to do the announcement. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you probably can read the announcements better than me, but uh, next Sunday, December 8th, there's packing cookie tins here at the Gulf Corners and Hotel in the Hard enough. Uh, December 15th is the white gift and memory tree with refreshments following. Uh, I guess that's just basically an acknowledgement of the memory tree. Uh, December 24th is the Christmas Eve service here at Knox at 6.30 and it's a combined service. Okay. Well, we'll have to remember. Well, he thinks that we should. 
River fountain splash joy, cooling our city. God lives here, the streets are safe. God at your service all day. Shed your grace to God. Let the distance sing. Strike up the band. Step out into the track. Take a long, loving look at you. My God, you are above everything. Okay, and I'll hand it over to Joe. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So this morning we had planned to do a uh, chorus as an insert, and I didn't get the insert ready in time. So we're going to do uh, one of my favorites, but most importantly, Isla's favorite. Isla, what song should we do today? This is the day? All right. So please turn in your hymn book to hymn number 78 and stand up, and we will uh, open this service with This is the Day. God, we thank you for this day that you've made, and it is the day that you've made, and we rejoice and are glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for opening this worship as we, as your children, gather together in your name, and we'll soon be gathering around your table. We are so glad to be here. 
And on this first Sunday of Advent, as we prepare our hearts and our lives and our minds, we ask, Lord, that you'd also prepare us to receive your fresh renew into our lives, into the season. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. This morning, let us turn to number 268, All Hail King Jesus, All Hail Emmanuel. Of course, this is the Sunday of Advent, and we're going to have the kids come up, and, um, and I'm going to have Alex, while they're here, uh, to come up and read the names of all those that are memory. So I think we'll do that first. You want to come up and do that, Alex? Thank you. Uh, they won't see you or hear you, so maybe you ought to come up here. We want you to be heard. The memory tree uh, tradition started, the last I could find in Rita's books was 2007. I don't know if it began prior to that time or not, um, but people um, recognized loved ones who passed on and can donate um, in their memory. Um, we've had many names, and the December 17th issue of the Lanark Era, the names that um, have been listed, the angel names, will be published in the Christmas edition of the Lanark Era. And uh, our bell tower, the star, will be lit up there, and the angels here will be hung in the, on the sanctuary uh, on the tree. And Elfin and Snow Road, of course, combine. Um, theirs and their tree is lit on the outside of Elfin Church. So Alex is going to read the names and uh, the kids are going to hang up the angels. Okay, very good. Burton Ellen Roger, Sylvia Roger, Kathy Roger, Allison Van Hook, Perry Farday, Bob Reed, Delbert and Mabel Chaplin, John and Jesse McGregor, Howard McGregor, Blaine and Larry Pablo, Crosley and Edna Dunlop, Lindsay and Annette Duncan, Bill Duncan, Miriam and Hudson Sargent, Mabel and John White, Reverend Larry and Evelyn Paul, Ron and Dorothy Packman, Ernest and Ida Duncan, Alex Duncan, Phyllis and Ivan McClellan, Mar Marion McDonald, Mar Marjorette Lockhead, Marjorie and Susan Park, Ivan or er, Harper, Thomas and Peggy Payne, William and Ida Sinclair, Dorothy and Doug White, Pearl and Clarice Duncan, Jamie DeForge, Jack and du Julia Duncan, Miriam and Hudson Sargent. Alice and Elmer Yule, Arnold Yule, Hazel and Ken King, Bob Dunlop, Bill Dunlop, Doug Dunlop, Trevor Dunlop. <laughs> 
Doug and Ainsley Newberry, John and Mary Schnorr, William and Barrett Chauvelt, Marvel and Melissa Cameron, Arwin McKinnon, Evelyn McCall, Daryl Buchanan, Howard and Frida Cooper, John and Netta Larock, Jeff Sargent, Patrick Fraser, and Donnie Duncan, and Donnie Patterson. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, while they're putting up um, all the, go ahead. You're all done? Okay. Wonderful. And I was supposed to take the lighter out of my, for the candle, out of my uh, backpack. And so I'm going to ask one of the, Caleb, would you go and get my backpack sitting right by the door at the back and bring it to me? Okay, it's heavy. Oh, but I've seen you pick up the, the leaf floor right at the back door. No, 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 at the back door. Yeah, thank you. Um, I saw him pick up a leaf blower, and it was bigger than him, and he picked it up no problem. Thank you so much. What a man. Now i got to find the lighter in here. And I'm not talking about one that will light a cigarette or a cigar. There we go. I've got it. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to ask uh, Linda if she will be reader two, and I'm going to be reader one, and all the people will respond where the people are, okay? I think you can hear me. I've got a fairly loud voice. Before we do, we've got the kids here. What do we mean when we talk about hope? Uh, did any of you send letters to Santa Claus? Okay, and what did you hope you'd get? All these people talk to me at the same time. A truck? A what? An American doll. And you? A what? A LOL. Is that a doll? Okay. LOL. What do you want? Oh, no, okay. Oh, boy, I tell you, I think that will happen. What do you want for Christmas? Okay, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. An American doll. And what kind of a doll is that? It's a 15-inch doll. Okay. What about you, Alex? Do you want something for Christmas? You hope you'll get something. Yes. Yeah. 
stand up and he's taller than me. So and, and he brought a drone to our house this summer when he visited. And we had a lot of fun with that. I felt like I was a kid. So, good luck on that.
so nice to have family, Pam and, and uh, Jim's daughter and son-in-law. We're so happy to have you here today. Now they don't live so far, do they? Carlton Place, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to having some fellowship afterwards uh, with them. Um, the prayer is in your, is in your uh, order of service. And let us say it together as a people of God. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own. By hearing, may we also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm going to read the passage this morning because it's one that you've probably heard many, 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 many times before. But it's story of Joseph as he travels back to the city which he was born in order to be taxed. Of course, all of us love that thing called tax. It's been a pain in, well, some part of our anatomy ever since. But here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone had traveled to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for in order that they might be taxed. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judea, David's town, that is, for a census. And as a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancee who was pregnant, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. And she wrapped him in warm clothing and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him, for them in the inn. Well, I love this season of the year. It, it has so much to teach us. And this morning, I'm going to talk about I've got, I entitled my message, Won't You Let Him Come In to Your Heart. Anybody here who's old enough <laughs> uh, to remember the decade of the 60s, what was it known for? Anybody? Yes. What else? Hippies. Yes, it was. The Beatles' uh, inauguration. What else? Protests were at an all-time high in history. There was all kinds of them, for all kinds of reasons. So those of you who were born after that time, you won't know. But for those of us born before that time or in that time, well, we know. Well, I want to tell you a story. It was, in, in Christmas, it was Christmas Eve, 1965, in a place called Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And the innkeeper at the local Holiday Inn had had a really busy day. He was a nice man, and so he sent all the staff home uh, to be able to enjoy Christmas Eve with their families. And so here he was finishing up some paperwork at the front desk, and he suddenly heard a noise at the front entrance. He looked up, couldn't believe his eyes. Walking in the main door of the Holiday Inn on this Christmas Eve in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, was a young man dressed in a bathrobe, an old tattered bathrobe. The young man was pulling a donkey. On the donkey was a young woman who looked to be quite, ex quite pregnant. And as they approached the desk, the young man announced loudly for all to hear, 
My name is Joseph, and this is my wife, Mary. And as you can see, she's about to have a baby. We need a room for the night. Now, before getting to the rest of the story, let me digress a little to share with you what was really happening here. The young man's name was not Joseph. The young woman's name was not Mary. And she was not really expecting a baby. This incident, though, was designed to be a, a political demonstration against the commercialization of Christmas. And of course, the no vacancy sign had been there for several hours, it was on. But this modern Mary and Joseph expect to be turned out, turned down or turned away. In fact, they wanted that, they wanted to be turned away. They were, they were certain that they would be told, what's the line? No room in the inn. And their plan was going to go, be to go to the media with the story of rejection. But I'll tell you, this, this innkeeper was right on his toes. He warmly uh, welcomed them, rushed around the desk and welcomed them graciously. Mary and Joseph, it's such a great privilege to have you with us today. You honor us by coming here tonight. What a privilege to have you under our roof. It's true. All our regular rooms are taken. But if you wouldn't mind, you could have the bridal suite. And since it's Christmas Eve, there would be no charge. You will be our guests of honor. Now, talk about rising to the occasion. This man was a smart dude. But he did. He proved to be extremely wise. He knew the Christmas story and he had something of the spirit of Christmas in him. He was also very shrewd because he knew how harshly a certain innkeeper from the Bible has been, has been uh, treated and wrongly maligned. And I want to leave you with three thoughts. The first one, three lessons really, is the lesson of prejudice. It comes about as a matter of fact when we think of the innkeeper, there's a danger, you know, and all of us have done it, of judging people and events without knowing all the facts. And certainly this brings about our imagination, which could run wild on us. For when we judge other people or assess events without the whole truth, the results are destructive. They're dangerous. They're damaging. They're a, a, a disgrace to the person's, to the other's character, and it's really unfair. See, I rather suspect that we have treated the innkeeper unfairly historically because, after all, we've written him off as somebody turned away, Mary and Joseph. But the fact is that I'm really fascinated by this innkeeper who welcomed them into the hotel because he captured the imagination of playwright, pets and, play, uh, and playwrights, preachers and songwriters, artists and storytellers. Here we have a picture you see of the past, but the man, well, did he really say there's no room in the inn or was that those words imposed upon him by the writers of scripture? He only said five words, no room in the inn. That was long and short of it. The fact is, though, that this guy didn't have much of a choice. 
The inn was already full. It was full of people who were forced to make their way back to their town. It'd be like any of us having to go back to the place where we were born and brought up. It was even worse though back then because people who who uh, were forced to go back and, and, and get, for lack of a better term, added to, to a, a tax roll, they were just ordinary people who'd never done this before. It was the first time it was done in this fashion when Quirinus was governor. And, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about this, this guy who was an innkeeper who didn't have much, many choices. He didn't have many options. Unless, of course, we take in some of the realities that occurred then. He couldn't very well give them up a room. And if he did, can you imagine how loud things would have been? They tell us that in that day, hotels or inns were smelly. And I wondered why that was so. Well, the fact is that they were usually two stories. The top story is where the guests stayed. And the bottom story was where what? The cattle were lowing. That's right. They were put donkeys and horses and anything else that you might have brought along. They were all stored in that first story. And here was an innkeeper who was really judged unfairly, but judged nonetheless. Let me illustrate this point when we talk about prejudice. Two men met on the street and one said to the other, hey, I know you, you're the man from the state of Maine who made a million dollars growing potatoes. The man said, uh, but your facts are a little distorted. It wasn't Maine, it was Georgia. It wasn't potatoes, it was cotton. And it wasn't made a million dollars, but a million dollars was lost. And it wasn't me, it was my brother. But other than that, you got it just about right. We can get confused and we can get all the facts mixed up. But the bottom line is, when it comes to prejudice, we must always give people the benefit of the doubt. London Daily Telegraph a few years ago carried a letter, and it wasn't so long ago, sent by an 11-year-old boy to his mother while he was on vacation in Switzerland. And he was there with a couple of teachers who were the chaperones and uh, eight of his classmates. He says, Dear Mom, this is what he wrote, Yesterday the instructor took eight of us out to the slopes to teach us how to ski. It was I was not very good at it, so I broke my leg. Thank goodness it wasn't mine. The fact is that, uh, I love Billy, the fact is that uh, we, I don't know about you, but if I got a note like that, I think, well, whose leg did you break? You know, that'd be the first thought, and you'd have all kinds of other questions. How did it happen in the first place? What was that stupid teacher taking you out on the slopes, the Alps, when you're, uh, you're not competent to ski? He was only eight years old, 11 years old. Well, the first lesson I'd like us to, to consider is we need to take a new look at the innkeeper. For if we don't, we are 
in line to, to in the dangers of prejudice. It's destructive to be prejudiced. It's hurtful when we don't have all the facts and we don't know the whole truth. Then it's a moment of destruction. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is a lesson about choices. So often our choices are not between right and wrong or good and bad, but it's between the, the lesser of two evils. Isn't that, isn't that the way it is? The innkeeper really didn't have a good choice that night. The sleepy little town of Bethlehem was suddenly packed with people through no fault of any of their own or his. And they were back there because it wasn't an option. It was an order. Everyone had to return to his or her hometown for the census. And Bethlehem was bursting at the seams with new people. Now they tell us at the time that Bethlehem was probably three to 500 people. At most 500, but probably closer to three. And suddenly they get hundreds of people coming back to their ancestral town. I mean, think of it. If there was a census called for, of course, now we're in a computer age and everything's different, but if we were, think of, of how many people would come back to McDonald's Corners. Well, why? Family would have to come back. Friends would have to come back that we've known for years. Maybe hadn't seen them in, in decades. And they don't have to come back to their ancestral home. Well, this is exactly what's happened. But think about some of the choices this man had. He didn't have any. The innkeeper had no choices. I mean, his place was already full. But William Barclay suggests that the innkeeper may have been the only friend Mary and Joseph had. For we do read about the fact that they were in a stable and they put the baby in a manger and there's probably straw there and, and they were able to you know, bring a lantern with them and they had some privacy. I mean, animals, they don't care. They're no respecter of people. They don't know what you're going through. And I'm sure they probably witnessed one or two other uh, births of babies and in their watch. So often, we need to understand, as William Barclay so well put it, that there was all kinds of caves around Bethlehem, all kinds of them. And you can go there today, and I saw some of them. And they were right. There are all kinds of caves in and close by the actual community. But today, a lot of them have become uh, places where people actually live. But back then, they weren't places that people actually lived because what they were, though, is if somebody was coming through town, they would go and stay in those caves because they probably couldn't afford the fees of an innkeeper. And so they would make their way into these with their camels or whatever they may be riding, a horse, a donkey, and they'd make their way and stay in these places because they were, they were usually a place where people could go and not have to pay. Well, that's what happened here, probably. The innkeeper may have become their, their own, their best friends, in fact. He took, probably took them to one of those caves because there was no room even in, the, in the, even in the places where these people came from. They had beasts of burden there. Changes the whole image of the innkeeper, doesn't it? We view him not with contempt now, but 
kindness maybe, and wisdom, and a loving choice that he gave to those people. A quick footnote to this is the real key, when we consider the innkeeper and others that we may sometimes wonder about, is that whatever we choose to do, the important thing is our attitude. Our attitude. Jesus was supremely interested in that. Our inner attitudes and motives as to what we were going to do. Think about that innkeeper now. He supplied a place for them to stay. Probably even gave them a lantern or lent them a lantern. So they could go someplace and be quiet while the Christ child was born. All my spaces here in the hotel are full, but I think I know a place that would be good for you because it'd be give you some choices. You know, we make our best choices in life based on information that we've received. All of us do that. But if we were to add a Christian perspective and attitude, then that changes it even more. But there's one more lesson. Not only lessons of attitude, but a lesson of realizing that God has a plan for every one of us. And he had a plan then. The innkeeper story underscores one of the greatest truths and promises of scripture, namely that God can take moments of defeat into victory. He has taken bad things and redeemed them and made them good. God took an innkeeper's decision and let his son Jesus Christ be born in a stable. He then took the stable and hallowed it so that it became one of the most important and beautiful symbols to all the world that God didn't come to us in a palace or a castle. He came to us as a baby in manger. The lowliness of Christ's birth became an asset in the hands of God, not a liability. And you know God does that with us. And I'm so glad he does because folks, I'm not speaking for you, but I certainly can speak for me. I've made so many mistakes in my life that they can't be counted. I'm being very honest with you. They cannot be counted. Fact is that those things that happen to us, God takes that we may feel as a liability. God takes that action or that judgment or, or things that we've completely been destroyed almost in, in, our, in our judgment, in our, in our decision, and redeems them and makes good come from them. A little over 30 years later, and we're going to be celebrating that in just a couple of moments. God did the same thing with the cross. The cross looked like Christianity was defeated, destroyed, no future. But God took that cross and used his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for your sins and mine. God has a way of doing that. Dick Van Dyke tells about a story, and with this I'm going to be closing this part, about a child who's, who's called away from watching the six o'clock news because he was going to write an article on current affairs on television to say the blessing. It was his turn at the evening meal. The child, with his mind still on the calamities of the newscast, said the grace and then added his own personal mode. Dear God, please take care of mommy and daddy and my little sister and Grammy 
and all the people in the world, and please God, for goodness sake, take good care of yourself because if anything happens to you, we're sunk. Don't you love the honesty of a child? We're all sunk. There's something of my own faith in that little prayer. I realize that I have neither the wisdom nor the intelligence nor all the facts to make a, a right make right decisions. Sometimes my guesses may be good, and at other times, and that's, those are too many, they're wrong. But you know, I'm glad God has not left us to, to uh, fight this life out alone. He is with us. He tells us that he, in, in spite of our blunders and mistakes and poor judgment and tough choices and clay feet, he will never leave us nor forsake us. God carries on his work, works through us, and sometimes despite our weaknesses. And that's the good news of Christmas, beloved. He gives us hope in the way he works in order that we might be all that we can be. What a miraculous, loving God we serve. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we gather around your table, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us and use us in order that we might walk in newness of life. Through Christ our Lord we pray. We want you to know that everybody's welcome to the table. The Lord's table is open to all. I love being a Presbyterian in that way. We don't hold any prejudice against anyone. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, come. Join us at the table. As a matter of fact, we're going to give you opportunity in the process of, of gathering around the Lord's table to uh, express our love for you and welcome you into the family of God. We're going to start by singing three verses of number 643, Lift High the Cross. Now, you may not know this, but I know it well enough that I can lead you in it. So let's turn to it. Number 643. One, three, and five verses. I'm going to ask the elders to come and join me up front. Crucified bears on the brow 
the seal of him who died. Lift up the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adores his sacred name. So shall our song of triumph ever be. Praise to the crucified for victory, victory. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim. Till all the world adores his sacred You may be seated. Lord, 
We ask you, Lord, that you would be with us as your people as we gather around this table. Would you please sanctify Lord, we sing with all of creation, joining the whole of creation, lift our hearts in joyful praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we think of the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. We thank you for his life, his death, and resurrection. We gather around your table today, Lord, in order to receive these gifts of bread and wine and ask you, Lord, to sanctify them. Bring, make us know, Lord God, that these are symbols of your love that, Jesus, you laid down in your life for us in order that we might be free from, from all sin. We ask now, Lord, that you would be with us as we take this bread and take this wine and receive it as gifts from you. Lord, we, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Lord, we thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. And we remember those that need your healing. Lord, we want to remember those within our congregation who need to be here, but can't be because of sickness and death. We pray for all those who lost loved ones this week, and we ask, Lord, they need to be with them for this past month. Give them strength and courage. We think of those who are on our prayers. We think of George and Ruth and Jerry and Sylvia and Betty and Joyce. And Rob, and Paul, and Stan, Morgan, and Nick. Thank you for the way in which you've touched Nick's life. Continue to finish that work. We want to pray for those who are retiring. Judy, and Rita, and Norma, Audrey, and Dawn, and Donna, and Lord. We ask, Lord, that you be with them today, that they may know your blessing. Lord, we pray that you forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all of our sins. Lord, we come this morning and we have a heavy burden. You've told us, Lord, to come to your, your uh, caring altar and place it there and give it back to Christ in order that he might carry it for us. Lord, he promised to carry our burdens so that the law of God might be so, Lord, today we want to ask you your blessing on all of us as your people. And we ask, Lord, that you would use us through Christ our Lord and pray, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. I want you to know that all of us have gathered here this morning as the people of God. We want you to know that 
you are welcome to receive the bread and the wine, gifts of God for the people of God. Not the night in which Jesus was betrayed and took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you to do this. Remember me. And let us receive his gifts. It's like gathering around the table at home, eh? Night in which Jesus betrayed and took bread and after giving thanks, he said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for me. Let us receive it.
And after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant found in my blood for the forgiveness of sins of many. That's what he's done for us. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he returns Christ to the Bible says that if there are any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with the oil. And pray the prayer of faith, and the Bible says they shall recover. If there are any today here, and you might like to come on behalf of someone else, as, as the name did this morning, feel free to do it. This time we're going to have you receive offer you a seat and the Lord bless you as you worship the Lord today. Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. 
We hope to see hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are. Thank you.